All right, then. Acts chapter number 24, verse number one. Yesterday, we were looking at, uh, and after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. Now, again, we talked about this guy, Tertullus. We don't know that much about him. We know that he was obviously an orator. He was obviously someone who was very good. The word orator, as a matter of fact, is where we get the word rhetoric. Uh, he was obviously very good at speaking, and he was brought in, I would, I would assume, as a prosecutor or an attorney, prosecuting attorney against Paul. And, of course, we surmise that the reason he was brought in was because he was familiar with Roman law. And the Jews, as much as they despised Paul, just like they despised Jesus, as you'll remember, they had to end up bringing him before a Roman official because the Romans didn't care much about their law. Um, they didn't care about religious law. They didn't persecute. They didn't punish people based upon Jewish law, a Jewish religious law. It had to be something that violated the civil law of the Romans. So this guy, Tertullus, was, <clears throat> was called in to make the case. Uh, Albert Barnes points out that it was most likely because they were ignorant of Roman law and needed his help to make the accusation stick. Um, so, and then in verse number two, and when he was called forth, Tertullius began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness and that very worthy deeds uh, are done unto this nation by thy providence. So now he begins to butter up uh, Felix, we accept it always in all places, no notable Felix, and with all thankfulness, notwithstanding, that I be not further tedious unto you. In other words, <clears throat> continue to bore you to death with all these accolades that I'm laying on you. I pray that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. So he obviously had lawyer skills and that he knew enough to uh, get on the on the good side of the judge, for we have found this man to be a pestilent fellow. So now he begins to lay out the charges that they're bringing against um, Paul. Number one, he's a pestilent fellow. Um, that literally means the word pestilence is where we get plague, disease. Uh, the accusation is that he is a corrupting influence. He's a mover of sedition. Um this literally means that he was sowing the sedition among the Jews throughout the world, and he is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Uh, we talked about that word ringleader. It means one standing first in the ranks. The point is that Paul was the primary instigator in this whole thing, and he is a ringleader of the sect. The sect is where we get our word heresy. So he is the ringleader of this heresy of the Nazarenes. And of course, those who followed Jesus were called Nazarenes because he was Jesus of Nazareth. So um, these are the accusations that they brought against Paul. But the chief captain, Lysias, or Lysias, came down and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things, whereof we 
accuse him. So Tertullius pretends that they would have judged Paul righteously if if Lysias had just not intervened and allowed them to take care of the situation. But we all know that was not what they were going to do. They were going to kill him. <laughs> they were going to kill uh, Paul, no doubt. And the Jews also assented uh, that these things were so. In other words, you've got this crowd in the back that are nodding in agreement that, yep, that's the way it is. That's the what. That's what would have happened, you know, if they would have let, um, if they would have let it just play out. If Lysias had not intervened. Um, you know, uh, this thing would have worked its way out. So now he's kind of throwing the blame on Lysias uh, for intervening and not allowing them to take care of business. Um, and, of course, the, the ones in the back are, you know, nodding in agreement. And then after the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered. Uh, so then Paul, now Paul's going to get an opportunity to defend himself for the first time. Good morning, Matt. God bless you, brother. Um, sorry for my delay this morning. A uh, few things going on here, uh, but um, uh, hope you're doing well, brother. Um, so now Paul's getting an opportunity to defend himself for the very first time. And notice the governor beckoned on him to him to speak. And we've talked about, as we've been setting our way through the book of Acts, the Jews, um, or during the ancient times, the word beckon with the hand, it just literally means, you know, hey, you know, speak for yourself here. And Paul says, for as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge in this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Um, so historically, I think Felix had only been a judge for about, seven years, as far as I can tell. Uh, but now Paul says, you know what? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to defend myself because that thou mayest understand that there are yet 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. Can you believe that? <laughs> he had only been in Jerusalem for 12 days and all of this had transpired in his life. And you remember he came down into Jerusalem. He was told that once you get there, you know, you're going to be placed in chains. They're going to try to kill you. Agabus prophesied about it. Some other the Jews talk, prophesied about it. They tried to talk him out of it. But Paul said, you know what? You know, I got to go to Jerusalem. And he went anyway. And, of course, when he came into Jerusalem, things were going well until um, he went into the temple with the four guys and tried to make the sacrifice to complete the Nazarite vow. And of course, as soon as he did that, he was accused of sedition. He was accused of moving to insurrection. He was accused of being pestilent. He was accused of profaning the temple. And of course, none of those things were true, but everything that was prophesied would happen to Paul when he arrived in Jerusalem certainly did uh, come to pass. Um, and neither found they neither found neither and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. So now Paul is disavowing all the charges that had been laid against him, and of course his defense is that they cannot prove anything that they were accusing him of. They didn't find me in the temple disputing with any man. In other words, I wasn't moving people to uh, sedition. I wasn't trying to raise up the people, not in, not in the sin, neither in the synagogue nor in the city. 
Um, they can't prove any of these things that they are accusing me of. But now this is interesting, and this is where I've been spending a little bit of time studying. But this I do confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, um, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things that are written in the law and in the prophets. And I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So while Paul has just denied being a seditionist, he's denied being a pestilent fellow, a disease, a plague among the Jews, he does say, I do confess that I am a follower of the way that they call heresy. Now, remember, the the charge that they laid against him back in verse number five here is, for we have found this man a pestilent fellow, a plague, a disease, a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. So Paul's just said, I, yeah, I'm not guilty of those things, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. But now Paul is saying, I am guilty of that. This I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, I do worship the God of my fathers. So he's saying, I'm guilty. Guilty is charged in regards to that. He goes on to say that he worshiped the God of his fathers and believed everything that was written in the law and in the prophets, and that he has a hope in regards to the resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. I believe what Paul is doing is merely pointing out that he does believe the law and he and he and 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 the prophets and that they all point to Jesus. I misspelled prophet there. <laughs> so he says, I am guilty of following this way, which is referring to Jesus. Um, and I do believe um, that the law and the prophets point to this Jesus. And of course it does. The Old Testament, that what's the old saying? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So Paul is saying, I, I do confess I am a follower of this way. And that's what it was called. Do you remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was called the way. He came pointing the way. And he does believe in Jesus, and he does believe in the resurrection from the dead. What he's saying here is he believes that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And understand, if Jesus resurrected from the dead, the unbelieving Jews have a problem. If Jesus was who he said he was, then the nation of Israel stands condemned of killing the Son of God, killing their Messiah. And everything that he preached is justified, is true. And therefore, everything that Paul and the other apostles were preaching about Jesus was true and justified. So Paul is uh, playing four-level chess here. <laughs> uh, he is definitely saying, and herein I do exercise myself, and to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. So Paul is saying, you know what? I've lived my life in such a way 
that I do not purposely offend others. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't offend, but that he never purposely offended. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse number number 18, we are, Paul said, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I believe that we should always try to live at peace with all men as much as it is possible. And what that means is you make sure that as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. Uh, that means do your part. It doesn't mean you'll always live at peace with all men, but never let it be said that you're the one at fault, that you're the one that stirred up the pot, that you're the one that's unwilling to make things right. And I've tried to live my life that way. I remember when I pastored in um, South Texas uh, for a number of years, sometimes people would leave our church angry with me. You know, they never leave the church mad at the worship guy. You know, uh, they usually leave because of the pastor, especially if the pastor's got even any a, a, any kind of resemblance of a, to a backbone. Um, you know, and sometimes I would say things I didn't purposely offend, but they were challenged by what I said. And and isn't that the truth? I mean, if we go to church, I mean, we shouldn't be going in. You know, who was it that said, uh, "I'm not." rubbing the cat the wrong way. The cat just needs to turn around. Um, you know, the preacher just lays the Word of God out there. And may it never be said you're offended by the preacher, but you're offended by the words. And the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, piercing the thoughts, the intents of the heart. You bet. The Word of God, if it's being taught properly, is going to offend but may it never be said that you offended them. The Word of God offends them. And I remember they would leave. And, you know, when you live in a little small Texas town, there's only, you know, one elementary, you know, one high school, one Walmart. You're bound to run into each other. And I would go out of my way to make sure that as much as depended on, upon me that I lived at peace with all men. I wouldn't hide in the fruit aisle. Um, I would go around the corner and, hey, how you doing, brother, sister? I haven't seen you in a long time, you know. I would always want to live at peace with all men as much as depended upon me. And Paul says he lived the same way. And he says, now after many years, I came to bring my alms to the nation and offering. So now as Paul, Paul is backing up and recounting what exactly happened after many years being away from Jerusalem. And as far as I can tell, the last time Paul was in Jerusalem was in Acts chapter number 15 at the Jerusalem Council. So he says, now after many years, I come to bring my bring alms to my nation, Israel, and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult. So he begins to recount what actually happened in the temple. And he said, I was merely there to bring the offerings that were required to complete the vow. You remember the Nazarite vow that he had made. And he says that he was accused by these certain Jews from Asia. We know that those certain Jews from Asia were the ones that followed him down from Ephesus. Uh, they were the ones that were making the accusation. Now, it's interesting, the very fact that we are in chapter 24, and Paul is still purifying himself in the temple, uh, 
How is it that we miss that in the church today? You know, I mean, why is Paul still purifying himself in the temple? Why is Paul still living under the law? Um, again, the only way to justify this, other than just to ignore it, which is what the vast majority of the church does today, is that there are actually two um, Gospels running parallel at this point. That there is still a kingdom gospel that was still a works gospel that still required adherence to the law. And there was a grace gospel that Paul taught that didn't require adherence to the law. I mean, that's the only way you can interpret this. Um, so here he is denying that he was a mover of sedition. He is denying that he was profaning the temple as he was accused back in verses 4 and 5. And in verse 19, he says, Who ought to have been here before thee? Who ought to be here before thee? These Jews from Asia. Where are they at? Where are the ones who are accusing me right now? They are the ones that ought to be standing before you, Felix. And they should be the ones objecting if they had anything against me. Where are they at? They're not here. And then in verse 20, or else let these same here say, in other words, those who were gathered around, obviously the Jews of Asia who made the accusation. I mean, exhibit A, witness A <laughs> was not there. The ones who had stirred this whole mess up were not even standing there. And he said, they should be here, but they're not. So let these here, the ones that are here, say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, am I called into question before you this day? In other words, they didn't see me being they didn't see me being a pestilent fellow. They didn't see me rousing sedition among the Jews. They didn't see me profaning the temple. The only reason they have me here is because of the resurrection of the dead. They don't like the fact that I believe that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. You remember when he stood before the council, the Pharisees said, hey, this guy's good, let him go. So these are obviously the Sadducees who are here. They're the ones that are upset that I taught the resurrection of the dead. That is why I am being called to question by you this day. And understand that the resurrection of the dead justified everything that Paul was saying. If Christ be risen from the dead, then he was who he said he was. So the Pharisees just said there's no resurrection of the, of the dead. Therefore, they just dismissed the way. And when Felix heard these things, having a more perfect knowledge of that way, and what that means is Felix was aware of what Christ taught. Felix was aware of that way. He was aware of what had happened in Jerusalem. He deferred them and said, 
When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or come unto him. So Felix is beginning to understand at this point that this is a religious matter. Uh, this is not a civil matter. Rome doesn't need to be involved in this. So he says, you know what? Uh, I'll just put Paul under a type of house arrest until I can speak with Lysias uh, in regards to this. Obviously, Peter did not, I'm Peter, obviously Felix did not feel that Paul was a threat. If he had, he wouldn't have placed him under house arrest. He wouldn't have allowed his acquaintances to come and to minister to him. He wouldn't have allowed him to have liberty. So Felix is beginning to understand that this has nothing to do with Roman law. So um, what's the day? Day's Friday. So, <laughs> so Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, Lord willing, we'll put all this together. Uh, not much more to go in chapter number 20. 24. Wow. Um, almost done there. Um, and after certain days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish. Now, the fact that he was married to a, a, a Jew uh, tells me why he was so familiar with what had happened in Jerusalem. And he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So whatever Paul was sharing here, <clears throat> Felix was very curious about it. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more. May, may even just finish out chapter number 24 when we get together Sunday so that we can roll into 25 the following Tuesday. So, well, God bless you. Hope you have a great day. I'm sorry for starting late today. Um, I was just kind of slow getting out the gate this morning. Uh, still trying to work out a lot of technical issues in regards to podcasting. I'm learning things as I go along. You'll notice that I had my face up a photo of me. Um, apparently, if you do not, if you use material that is copywritten, you're flagged. So that graphic that I used to use, I've been using on Axe, is not mine. I got it off the net. So. I'm just becoming a little wiser in regards to how this whole thing works, and my son is helping me. So anyway, I appreciate you. God bless you. I hope you have a great day, and Lord willing, I'll see you Sunday morning at, um, at 8 o'clock. So if I did play this back, so if I did play this back, okay, so it was playing back. <clears throat> I forgot to...